Support for WXAV 88.3 is being provided by Northwest Community Credit Union. For over 80 years, the credit union has been providing its members with a comprehensive roster of financial products and services to help them achieve their financial goals. Whether it's savings, checking, or loans, Northwest makes its services available with online and mobile banking for your safety and convenience. Coming soon, a new on-campus location. For more information, visit their website at nwccu.com or call them at 1-800-TO-BELONG. Support for this WXAV podcast is being provided by Bookies, new and used books. Located at 10324 Southwestern Avenue in Chicago. With a second location at 2015 Ridge Road in Homewood, Bookies specializes in new and used books. Their selection includes new releases, children's books, and bestsellers. For more information and upcoming events, please visit bookieschicago.com. You can also find them on Facebook by searching Bookies Chicago. This podcast is being brought to you by WXAV 88.3 FM and WXAV.com. WXAV, bringing the best podcasts to you. Hi, this is DJ Holiday from WXAV, and today I'm here with... Sal Abiscato. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. That's awesome, that's awesome. So I heard your band has actually a new album possibly coming out? Yes, um, September 24th, we have a new album, Infernum in Terra, being released. Uh, yes, September 24th, we have a new single, a third single coming out next week on the 27th, along with a video. So uh, it's so far so good. How would you describe the new album coming out? Well, uh, it's pretty much it retains all the, the qualities of every album that I've put out. Uh, it's definitely dark. It's uh, got a raw feel to it as far as the sonics are concerned. Uh, it's got a little bit of a retro thing going on as well. You know, we uh, although it was uh, of course recorded digitally, we mastered in such a way through analog equipment to give it a more of a warm feel like old records had. Mm-hmm. And I think the I feel the fans will truly enjoy and thoroughly like, you know, they're going to dig it. You know, it's just another, it's just the next step musically for me. That's really cool. So would you say, since you mentioned like an older type of warm feel, would you say that um, you would prefer the sound of maybe like playing music on a vinyl versus playing it on uh, an electronic device? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we have like this. This album is being released on uh, on a double vinyl set as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, not only is it cool to listen to music on vinyl, but then you get to have like the supersized artwork, and um, it, it, you get to really you, know, you get the lyrics, you get to really hold it in your hands. The same goes for the CD. Digipack, because the CD, CDs these days are considered old also. <laughs> uh, but definitely there's something nostalgic in, you know, to continue, in continuing to release albums on vinyl. Since there's such a resurgence in people wanting to collect vinyl, uh, which I think is awesome. So, you know, you, you put that vinyl on and to have a little more of that, of an analog sound is more appropriate than having something too polished and crisp. So, um, you know, it, it, it's definitely for those enthusiasts of vinyl, it, it's definitely very cool. Uh, we also have like some limited edition vinyls coming out where they're, you know, like splatter, um, splatter vinyl that has like splatter, like the vinyl's all different colors and stuff. Um, 
you got Spotify, of course. So would you say that the music industry throughout the years has evolved in a positive or a negative way with the addition of social media? It's a tough question. I've transcended through so many different stages of the industry, starting with when, you know, back in the time where people actually sold records and CDs mm-hmm. and would go gold or platinum and, you know, people physically bought stuff. And then as the years went by, things were changing. I, I think I think social media is a, 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 a pros and cons. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's, it's, it's a good thing if, you know, you're a new band, you want to start out and try to get some kind of exposure. At the same time, it creates such a saturation out there that I think people just move right by you. And, and you know, um, you've, you've got bands that, like, buy, I guess, like, they try to buy their likes and they try to look bigger than they really are. And it's a shame that labels look at social media accounts as a way to determine if they want to sign a band or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, social media is uh, it's a double-edged sword. It's a double-edged sword. It's great to stay in touch with your fans. I do like that aspect that a fan can write a comment or a question and you can answer them and they can actually have that split second of a direct connection with somebody that they follow or like. Uh, that's definitely a nice feature that we didn't have back in in, in the 80s or 90s um, or even early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's but at the same time, I think it's also very, uh, you know, there's just a lot of garbage going on in social media. And I, I think it's, for all I know, you know, it can all just implode and um, have have a scenario of where people, it just fizzles out, you know. Um, there was a time where MySpace was the biggest thing on the planet and mm-hmm. then that fizzled out. It's just a matter of time where, you know, something like Facebook is maybe fizzle out. We'll see. Um, so it's good and bad. That's all I can say. It's nice to stay in touch with people, but it also can work against you where people can also hurt you with social media. Oh, yeah. And defame you and, and say horrible things. And this is why you have young teenagers, you know, killing themselves over stupid posts right. on Instagram and Facebook and whatever and Twitter. Uh, so be thoroughly damaging and thoroughly uh, helpful. So you have to be careful. You can't put your whole life in it. That's for sure. You, some people live by that. Oh, absolutely. You know, they'll get they get mad at you. Why didn't you click like on my post? <laughs> it's like, what are you nuts? How about I just call you? You know, I mean, right. this thing of communication where people used to talk face to face or make a phone call is gone and people rely on how many likes and comments they get on social media. Yes, it's nice to be praised or whatever, but it's it's dismantling the art of society and interaction and communication and people literally try to meet people on social media and think they found the woman or man of their dreams when it's just all fake and you got yeah. <laughs> people using filters and uh, I come from the days of like meeting someone in a, in a venue and having a conversation, you know, or a bar, you know. Yeah, I always it's love asking. That's always a really good question because everybody gives a totally different answer. Or sometimes people give 
a similar answer, but then give totally different reasoning behind it. So I always think that that's a pretty cool question to ask and just get an overall opinion on, especially from like a music artist standpoint, because like you said, I feel like a lot of people can really promote their band or promote what they're doing through it. But then sometimes there's so much to choose from that it just, it doesn't mean as much. Right. It's just, there's a lot going on where, so you get like overstimulated. So people are just flying by on their feet, you know, just scrolling, scrolling. So they're not even stopping to look at anything. So it, it, a, a lot of information. Maybe it's too much, it's too much information for people to digest at once. And that's why I think people are so, uh, have anxiety or, or, anxious after spending a little too much time in the day on, on social media. I was looking up stuff about, obviously, the band and everything, and Pale Horse goes by, like, a bunch of different, like, labels. So people will say, like, oh, it's it's this kind of metal, it's that kind of metal. What do you think about labeling music, and do you think that that's constrictive to art, or do you think it's helpful? Uh, I, you know, labels, everyone's going to say it sounds like this or that, you know, and it's just inevitable with fans and people. Uh, I don't like the I don't like to call myself too much anything. I just like playing heavy, you know, old school type of Sabbath type mm-hmm. of doom combined with like my other influences, whether it's the Beatles or Bowie and, you know, maybe Trent Reznor. And, and so some people call this, you know, one thing and they say it's another. I mean, whatever they want to call it, fine. As long as you like it, that makes me happy. If you like it, that's great. If you want to call it doom or dirge or grunge or 90s uh, renaissance, <laughs> whatever it is, fine. You know, just if you like it, then I got to respect that, you know. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, for me, uh, it's it's all, you know, it's, it's hard rock, heavy metal, you know, some, some doom. Doom seems to be an appropriate name on certain elements, but at mm. the end of the day, a lot of doom music does not have catchy choruses or, or melodies. So it's mm. a combination of a few things, of hard rock and metal and, and doom and a little a little bit of some of the older materials, a little bit goth here and there. And, and uh, yeah, that's my roundabout vague answer. Yeah, I mean, that's another one where it's like, you know, you could make the argument that labels could be constrictive to art, but for some people that might be how they find certain bands or artists. So it can go, that's another question that can go definitely uh, either way. Sure, sure. It can work in favor of a fan is looking up something. I want to check, I want to get into more Doom bands and they'll type of, you know, Doom bands or whatever. And all these bands come out on a list and they start checking them out and they might find bands they really like and, so that could work in a good way, but um, I think the labeling could be constricted if it's an expectation. Mm-hmm. Where, well, they're a doom band. How come this record doesn't sound doom? Or they're a heavy metal band. How come this band doesn't sound, it doesn't sound like that now? And so, like, that's the promise. You're gonna, fans are going to expect the same thing over and over, which I think, you know, people naturally progress as they get older and more experienced and wiser. So we'll see uh, how that pans out. But, yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it can be a good thing, but it should be an expectation. And so we were talking about vinyl earlier. Are you a personal vinyl fan? Do you have like a vinyl collection of your own? Um, I have some. My wife has a huge vinyl collection, so she's big on the vinyl and has the turntable downstairs. And uh, she loves collecting vinyl, especially old vinyl. Mm-hmm. Um, she sometimes like will, uh, you know, sometimes people will make, uh, put on uh, the, 
you know, posts or marketplace posts about, you know, giving away a box of vinyls. And she's the first one around to go and grab that box because she might just find like a gem within that, which she usually does. So we, we do together have quite a bit of vinyls. Um, I have my vinyls from when I was a teenager also. Mm. Um, I, I have also boxes of CDs, you know, uh, lots of CDs, hundreds of CDs. So, uh, She's the, the vinyl expert, though. So oh, nice. I'll give that to her. So what was the first vinyl that you ever got? Uh, well, it was the first one I had was like the, the 45 of uh, the Beatles' Help, which I snagged from my, I snagged it from my mother. And <laughs> then, um, but then I went out and bought like, yeah, the first Black Sabbath, the Ozzy Osbourne's Blizzard of Oz when that came out. Oh, yeah. And I went and got, I got that on vinyl in 1980, ran out and bought it, you know, whatever was coming out at that time. There was the uh, Iron Maiden, the first record, uh, which had no title on it, and then Killers, I, you know, same thing. And again, I, you know, I was starting to get into some some alternative metal back then, too, where um, you know, the, the, the thrash stuff, you know, when Metallica first came out and the first Anthrax record, Fistful of Metal, and then the Merciful Fate vinyl, and Man of War, and started, you know, and getting, of course, the Sabbath stuff on vinyl, all the ones that I wasn't, that, that came out before I was young and a little bit too young to get. So that that was pretty much the genre that I was getting at that time. No, that's awesome. Those are all, like, pretty good, solid records for sure. And uh, yeah. one last question. What does college radio mean to you? Uh, college radio has always been the underground outlet and vein that you could tap into to discover music that mainstream stations would not play. Um, I always thought it was, a, you know, again, after being involved with college radio, playing the music of the bands that I've been in since late 80s, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's a very important, very important outlet for bands to be discovered. And I will hope that it sticks around uh, for a long time, and although I, I'm sure it's tough, with uh, it's gotten tough for radio, I think, with the satellite stuff. Yeah. But um, but I, I, I think college radio is a great is great for the young people that are getting involved in broadcasting and in the business, and I think it's a great thing for young bands to get exposure that would not get exposure on like. The, the, the popular stations on satellite or radio. So it's, it's always been, to me, college radio's always been that underground outlet that would be the cool thing to listen to, to hear bands, like whether it was back in the day when I was younger, like whether it was alternative new ways mm-hmm. or, um, you know, metal, or you got to listen to bands that were not on the mainstream radio stations back then. And that was how you got into some new stuff and we're ahead of everybody else with being with band discovery. So that's what it means to me. And uh, I think it, it still uh, hopefully plays a very important part and will continue to play an important part in people discovering bands that they like. So that's what it means to me. I think it's always been a good thing. I think it's good for students as well to get into it, to learn about the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully it doesn't go away um, with time knows because the way things go they're always changing oh yeah but i think it's been a very very big helpful thing throughout the last 
you know, a bunch of years, whether it's 30, 40 years of helping bands get exposed. And, you know, 30 years ago, Metallica was not being played on mainstream radio. Ozzy and Black Mm -hmm. Sabbath were not being played on mainstream radio like it is today. It was underground radio stations that were playing that music. You know, at one time, Ozzy was considered bad. Black Sabbath was considered bad by the, uh, you know, FCC and all that stuff in the 80s. So, uh, if it wasn't for college radio, you would not be able to hear that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, no, it's crazy how much things have changed over time and everything. And Oh, yeah. Now, you know, since that has in commercials and on TV. So, right. <laughs> you know, this was the guy that everybody feared when he bit the head off of a bat by all the church people in the 80s. So <laughs> it's great that it turned around from the way it did. But it just, yeah, it just goes to show how things have changed. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today and everything. Thank you very much for listening to this WXAV 88.3 FM podcast. Be sure to visit our website, WXAV.com, for more information on your escape from Ordinary Radio.